Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. How wonderful it is to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have a curious little item. This item comes from New York, Rockland County, on the banks of the Hudson River. There is a little town within that county, and a particular hotel within that small town. And this key from said hotel... Now, this key was probably manufactured turn of the century, possibly in the 1920s at some time. On the fob, one side you'll see a room number, 2C. On the other side, you'll see the name of this hotel and the town in which this hotel sits. For on this key fob, it says, The Abaddon Hotel. And therein lies the heart of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's take a look, not just at the recent film, but the series up until now, as we pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at Hell House LLC Origins, The Carmichael Manor. So, like I said... To talk mainly about the new Hell House LLC movie, uh, Origins Carmichael Manor, uh, that came out on Shudder this past October, just around Halloween, like October 30th was the release date. And I have to admit, up until just recently, even, even as this was released, I had not watched any of the Hell House movies. It was a movie that it, it interested me. Uh, I constantly saw all the all the other sequels and the original up on Shutter. I just wasn't sure if it was going to be any good. Uh, I hadn't really heard much about it. I mean, I heard a little buzz. I knew people liked it and people would suggest it, but I never really heard anything uh, particularly compelling to say, hey, I've got to watch this or no, I shouldn't watch this until just, I don't know, probably about a week ago. I was listening to the Halloweenies podcast. One of the podcasts I love listening to, they were doing one of their now showing episodes where they talk about new movies that have come out, some old movies that they've either watched or rewatched. And I believe it was Jen Adams suggested watching Hell House LLC Origins, The Carmichael Manor. She talked about how much she really liked the original Hell House. The other two she didn't seem a big fan of, but really loved this, this new one because it kind of went back to the vibe of the first movie. And I thought, okay, you know what? This is the first really concrete approval of at least a couple of the movies that I've gotten out of this franchise. And so I I'm going to give it a shot. I was really interested in what she and the other members of the podcast were, were saying about it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take a few days, and I'm going to watch this series. Because there's only four movies in the series. There's Hell House LLC, Hell House LLC, The Abaddon Hotel, Hell House LLC, Lake of Fire, and then this new one, Hell House LLC Origins, The Carmichael Manor, which acts as a sequel, but in a way it is a bit of a prequel. 
I can't even say that because that's one of the interesting things of this uh, movie franchise. And that's why I kind of want to include the other three movies in talking about this because I never got a chance to talk about them. I want to say the things I liked about them, the things I didn't like about them before we lead into this new one because you really have to have had the other ones uh, viewed before you watch this new one or you're just not going to know what's going on. But one of the things I really like about this this film franchise is it's found footage and you know found footage can be either hit or miss i've seen some really good found footage i've seen some really not so good found footage and i think with this franchise you get a little bit of each i, I do agree that hell house llc and hell house origins uh, the Carmichael Manor are the two best at handling the found footage. Uh, they kind of do it documentary style, whereas the other two movies feel like here's the found footage and somebody put them together and there's not that documentary feel to it. The Hell House LLC and Carmichael Manor both had like talking head segments. I think Hell House LLC was the best at doing that. The best at really making it feel like a documentary with talking heads and experts and and things of that nature that really made it kind of engaging and made some of the revelations of, oh, well, little did they know that in this still frame from the footage, there was something creepy over here. And so I I really liked that aspect of it. Uh, They went back to that with Carmichael Manor. I don't remember that as much in the other two in the Abaddon Hotel or Lake of Fire which you know when they got away from that I think it just made the the found footage just kind of like every other found footage movie out there but I really dig the story even if two and three uh the Abaddon Hotel and Lake of Fire even if they are not as good as the other two I really thought all four of these movies have some really good scares in them They are very creepy. They are very atmospheric. Uh, While the story, uh, to me, falters a little bit in The Lake of Fire, it just came across as a little hokey and a little convenient. Uh, And I'll get into that once we get into some spoiler section because I don't want to ruin this for anybody, uh, at least not yet. (laughs) At least while I I haven't properly warned you for spoilers, uh, I don't want to ruin this for anybody if you haven't watched it. And and if you haven't watched the Hell House series, I encourage you to check it out because it's one of those movie franchises where you get a story in the first one that definitely has a backstory. It has a lore to it. It has a history to it that you get little bits and pieces. And then in the second one, you get a little more of the story moving forward, but you get more revelations of that history and the things that happened in the past that led up to that first movie. And then the third one, the same thing. You get the story moving forward as the franchise is moving forward, but you're also getting more pieces to the puzzle of what brought us to the point of the first movie. And the same with Carmichael Manor was a movie that it definitely was next in line in the chain of events since the first Hell House LLC movie, but we got even more revelations of why these things have happened in these past four movies. Uh, We're getting essentially uh, the bigger picture, the more pieces of the puzzle with every 
movie that comes along. And I really dig that. It, it keeps you engaged. It keeps you coming back for more. After watching all four of these, uh, after Carmichael Manor, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for the fifth movie to come out. And they're going to do a fifth movie. <laughs> I, I can guarantee you that. And I like almost how it is going to be almost like a full circle type movie given the some of the revelations and where they're going with a possible fifth movie uh i don't know whether this will be the last one or if they plan on making more if a movie makes money they're gonna make more movies but uh it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out but really it is a good movie franchise even the lesser movies uh the abaddon hotel and the lake of fire even those were still Pretty good from a story standpoint. Uh, Lake of Fire less so than the Abaddon Hotel. But from a scare and atmosphere perspective, uh, these movies scared the shit out of me. There were some moments in there that had me creeped out, especially Carmichael Manor. There were some moments I don't scare easy, and that's not because I'm so brave or anything like that. It's just that I've watched so many horror movies over my almost 50 years on this earth that I just like a lot of horror fans, just become desensitized a little bit and I have to recalibrate what scares me or how it registers that I'm scared because, you know, when I was younger, you know, I'd be afraid to go outside in the dark or, or, or go into my bedroom, at, you know, in the middle of the night when it's dark out and there's no lights on. Uh, now those things don't phase me, but uh, things that go bump outside while I'm watching something, it doesn't really phase me. This phased me. Uh, there are some things that went on uh, while I'm watching this that it, it creeped the shit out of me. And we'll, we'll get into that in the spoiler section as well. But if you haven't watched the Hell House LLC movie franchise, the four films, check it out on Shudder. It's definitely worth the watch. If you like found footage, even if you just like horror, it's got an interesting story. It's got interesting lore and history that, like I said, you learn along the way with all of the... Uh, characters in the movies some of this lore and history and it starts to make a more things make more sense there's a bigger picture painted and it really is a fun watch and and a horrific watch and a scary watch and there's some really good jump scares and some creepy moments and i'm not a fan of bad jump scares i don't think there were many bad jump scares in this this was all like camera turns and something's there or something moves in the frame or something you know it's it, i i really enjoyed the jump scares in this which hopefully if you've listened to any of my podcasts that that holds some weight because I'm I'm not a not a big fan of jump scares that that are really bad and don't have anything to do with the horror on the screen. So I really want to get into talking about this movie. Uh, so from here on out, we're going to get into some spoiler territory. So go watch Hell House LLC, the franchise, all four of them, but especially the movie we're going to focus most on, the Carmichael Manor, and come back and listen to the podcast and and hear my thoughts on it and see how how they compare to how you felt about this movie franchise and especially this this recent movie in the franchise so go watch the movie if you have watched it you don't care about spoilers you're not going to watch this anyway you don't care you just you know zfg uh we're going to press on but we are going to get into some spoiler territory right now so yeah, I really liked this idea of Hell House LLC, the group of young people that put on these pop-up haunted house attractions, and I think a haunted house attraction in a house that's really haunted, you know, it's, just, it's easy horror because you've got all these haunted house props to make the, the set look scary and then to add some real haunted 
things happening within that, I think, is a really good idea. And the writer-director, Stephen Cognetti, uh, did a really good job with that. I thought that was a really good idea. And the continuation, how he continued the story uh, in spite of the first group, the Hell House LLC group, uh, yeah, this is a spoiler section. They all die at the end of that movie. I thought they did a really good job with that. Uh, the one thing that was very interesting is that that movie focused on a particular clown. It was a dummy, a mannequin dressed in a clown suit and this creepy clown mask. And it looks like something you would see in a haunted house. They really featured this guy, but they, this, this clown uh, actually portrayed by uh, one of the producers uh joe bandelli actually played the uh the clown and this clown keeps showing up in the other movies i I don't remember if the clown showed up in the second one the abaddon hotel uh but i know for certain it showed up in the lake of fire movie and definitely showed up along with a couple other creepy clowns in the hell house llc origins the carmichael manor and you wonder why this clown keeps showing up and and the Carmichael Manor is where you really start to understand what this clown is all about. And we'll get into that once I get into that movie proper. But one of the things I really loved about this franchise is that you got little bits of knowledge. You got the Hell House LLC movie, dropped the knowledge about the Andrew Tully character who owned the hotel before his suicide some 30 years ago. You get the first hints that he may have been involved in a satanic cult and and people, he hung himself when people started disappearing from his hotel. The second movie, The Abaddon Hotel, we get the revelation of Andrew Tully and his intent and this thing about a, a lake of fire and a portal you know you get a lot of references to this portal uh, and Abaddon is the demon that is the gatekeeper to the gates of hell and you get a lot of references and you even see this portal to hell and you get a lot of references of people going in and possibly coming back in the third movie Lake of Fire it, it never really feels like it pays off that name or what Andrew Tully was trying to do and they introduce the Russell Wynn character and that's I think one of the storylines that I didn't really care about because they pitted, you know, Russell Wynn against Andrew Tully and Russell Wynn, you think he might be a bad guy the whole time because he's putting on uh, another event, Faust, in the Abaddon Hotel. It's almost the same uh, events of Hell House LLC, just uh, a different type of event. And then the revelation that he actually died in a car accident and then was resuscitated after several minutes and that he you know, kind of alluding that he went to heaven and they have a priest that says that, you know, only uh, a very strong uh, godly presence like an archangel could uh, defeat the, the powers of the Abaddon Hotel or whatever. And he died and went to heaven and came back and it, it just felt like a little like they were trying to force that. I like the idea of it. I just don't know as if it was pulled off completely. And that almost seems like it was, it should have been something set up for a series finale. If you're going to go that route. I don't even know if that's the right route to go down with this movie. But I was also not a fan of, I don't know if it's the end of the movie or a PS scene where you see the one character from Hell House LLC. You know, he he died after slitting his own throat from being possessed. And 
he comes back to life and you find that all the old Hell House LLC cast members are there and they're back to life, but what's happening? And then Russell Wynn comes in and no, we're all dead, but now we can go to heaven. And instead of following him to heaven, they go to the bar to have a drink. I don't know if I liked that. I don't know if that was done as a way to end the series, possibly if they didn't get to make another one. But I just I, I wasn't a fan of that. That kind of added to the hokum of the Lake of Fire that probably made this uh, maybe my least favorite of the four. But that being said, uh, all in all, I, I really enjoyed those three movies because you got a little bigger piece of the puzzle and more pieces of the puzzle and instead of like from the first movie it felt like you're didn't have all the pieces of the puzzle and the puzzle was flipped upside down so you couldn't even see the picture the second movie the abaddon hotel you're getting more pieces of the puzzle but some of the pieces you're starting to be able to flip over and see the picture by the third movie you're getting more pieces of the puzzle and you're starting to to have more pieces flipped over so you can see the picture. By the end of the fourth movie, the whole puzzle is flipped over. You can see the picture. You know you don't have all the pieces, but you've got a lot of the pieces that you can finally start putting things together. I thought it was interesting. I can't remember if it was the Abaddon Hotel or the Lake of Fire. I think it might have been Lake of Fire was the first reference to a Carmichael. I don't know if they mentioned Patrick Carmichael by name but this is the Carmichael that they're referencing how he wasn't a part of Andrew Tully's suicide cult because he was arrested that evening and in Carmichael Manor you get that payoff of that because the whole time I'm thinking well are they going to even mention how they mentioned him in the previous film and what he was doing and they finally do that at the end it was a very satisfying payoff but uh, where we find ourselves with this this new movie is that after the events of Lake of Fire, the Abaddon Hotel has burned to the ground and we find a new group of investigators, uh, Margot Bentley and Rebecca Vickers, played by Bridget Rose Perota and Destiny Leilani Brown. They're investigating the Carmichael Manor. Uh, they do kind of this web sleuthing where they uh, try to crack cold cases. There's a cold case with the Carmichael family and Margot enlists the help of her brother, Chase Bentley. And they're investigating this house. Uh, they find archival footage of the Carmichael family conveniently, but uh, but they find it. And and that is a thing with this, this whole series that sometimes some uh, footage comes into people's possessions quite conveniently. Now, it is revealed, I believe, in the second movie, The Abaddon Hotel, that the Andrew Tully character, the ghost of Andrew Tully, is kind of puppet mastering this and pulling the strings, orchestrating all of this archival footage falling into the right people's hands to keep people coming to the Abaddon Hotel. Okay, yeah, I, I, I buy it. It's not that big of a stretch to have some supernatural entity kind of, or like I said, orchestrating this whole thing and making sure you know the, the right pieces of evidence fall into the right hands to keep feeding fresh souls to this ghost or this hotel or, or this demonic entity, what have you. But it's through this archival footage, it's through some of the investigation in the house that you start to see that the Carmichael Manor... Now, I, I kind of knew it had to be a tie because... 
Patrick Carmichael was referenced in two or three, one of the two. I think it was probably three because they do that. You'll get direct ties to the next movie in the movie before that. So I figured this is the same Carmichael that was referenced in part three. There was a definite tie to the Abaddon Hotel. It's not a a big stretch. I'm no web sleuth or movie sleuth to figure that out. But it was fun to watch the revelations of these characters finding out and putting all the pieces together. And Margot has kind of a backstory about how she was almost abducted by somebody at Rockland County Fair. And the Rockland County Fair was mentioned in the first, I think it might have been the first one, maybe the second one. There were references to people going missing at the Abaddon Hotel and possibly the fair. So you had to figure there was a connection there that I assumed it was Andrew Tully, but all of the revelations as to who it actually was, not Andrew Tully, but his business partners who ran a fair and dressed up as these creepy-ass clowns. And and the revelation of that towards the end was was really creepy and haunting uh, with the pictures and that kind of documentary-style footage about how Margot had the answer to who she was almost abducted by. It was right there in front of her because they always show this picture of her at the fair. It's cropped tight and close, but they pan out on this picture and you can see the the two guys dressed as clowns in the background and these two clown costumes, or, or we think they're clown costumes on mannequins, but they're obviously not. They're in this Carmichael manner, and she just never put two and two together. And that, that revelation was kind of interesting. And like I said, doing the talking head revelation with that really helped kind of solidify the documentary style of this found footage movie that I thought was really cool. And then the revelation. There is a PS scene. Uh, I don't know if it's a mid credit scene or at the very end of the movie. I think it might be at the very end of the movie. Uh, one of the talking heads is standing up and getting ready to leave, and they're taking off their microphone. And, and as they're taking it off, they're saying, oh, did you hear they're bringing back the Rockland County Fair? Because this fair, once people started going missing, was shut down and hadn't been in practice for for several years so we know that they're bringing back the rockland county fair we know that tully and these two business partners of his uh, started their cult at the fair uh it's mentioned in exposition in this movie that they did that and that was the beginning of the the cult that Andrew Tully started all the dealings with Abaddon and the Abaddon Hotel, and that's where it all began, and we're going back to that. So that's why this next movie feels like it it very much could be a bookend to this or a full circle to this, which makes me wonder if it might not be the final movie in this series. I'm curious as to whether they'll do it like that. It really would be very poetic to have, you know, Andrew Tully's cult start at the Rockland County Fair. We never saw it. This is all things that happened in the past before the events of Hell House LLC. But to see it go back there and possibly come to an end, I don't know. We don't have, you know, this movie series and this movie franchise is kind of weird because you don't have a, like, one hero that survives every movie and keeps coming back to to do battle with Andrew Tully. It's a new group of people that have to refigure out everything from start to finish. So I, I'm curious as to 
will this even have an ending or or maybe maybe it'll be some sort of you know nihilistic open end where you have to just imagine doom and gloom at the end of the road for this this franchise whether they take us to that end or like i said just leave it open-ended it'll be interesting to see how it plays out with the next film and whether they do any films after that but to me this probably had to be one of the scariest movies in the franchise like i said the first movie was really scary and and i really liked the documentary style i like that talking head style that they did uh again with the carmichael manor but i to be honest Abaddon Hotel and The Lake of Fire were both really scary movies. These movies have some creepy-ass shit going down in them. But out of all of them, this one probably freaked me out the most. And I'm not going to get into all the scares of all the different movies because you're, you're going to have to go back and watch them for yourself. Or if you have watched them, rewatch them. You'll know where the best parts are. But, but this one, I, it just... Uh, the atmosphere of having those clowns just standing there and you're just waiting for them to move, uh, was it created a tension that was palpable. I mean, you cut that tension with a knife. Uh, it, it created a suspense that just had you, even if you weren't physically on the edge of your seat, you were tensed up like you were on the edge of your seat. And then once the shit starts going down... And balls start rolling down the hallway, uh, a la the changeling. Uh, that that movie changed bouncing balls in horror movies uh, forever. It has become it's become a little bit of a trope, but a trope that still freaks me out to this very day. And and that stuff starts happening, and the the clown mannequins showing up in places they shouldn't be is creepy as fuck. But it's when they start moving. When the person holding the camera is moving and the head is ever so slowly following them. That shit is scary. That chase scene, not chase like running chase, that scene with Chase Bentley, the the character uh, played by James Lydell, that scene of him in his room where he wakes up and the one clown mannequin is in his room and... He's trying to leave and he's saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we'll leave. And the head turns and he walks away and he turns around and it's standing there. And all of a sudden it starts walking towards him. That just, that's the, that's the stuff of nightmares for me. That's the kind of shit that as a kid and even as an adult, something that shouldn't be moving, that starts moving, that is scary as F. And I don't care who you are, that got me. And it wasn't the only one. I mean, there were several other scenes like that. The scene also, uh, another scene with the Chase Bentley character, where he's looking down the hall and that, you know, there's this entryway to a room and and you see this little sliver of something along the the door frame and you're not sure what it is and then just slowly just keeps moving out further and further until you realize it is somebody wearing this this porcelain mask and it just stares at him and just you know he's he's calling to it and who are you what do you want and and you get nothing back you just you see this uh, lifeless mask with this weird face painted on it and it's just standing there and then uh i can't remember if they showed it ducking behind the door or they did a camera move and he looked back and it was gone and then he rushes into the room nobody's there that scene they just lingered on that scene i think that's one of the the things they do right with the horror on this, they're not afraid to linger on a shot to just 
amp up the tension, amp up the anxiety that you have in wondering what is going to happen when things you're you're waiting for something to move and it doesn't and you're waiting and it doesn't and then you're waiting and it doesn't and then finally you get that horrific release when something does finally move or something finally happens they just the director of this movie really knew what he was doing as far as amping up tension to a horrific release where you know you're not Ah, sort of release. You're like, ah, sort of release because because you've just had the shit scared out of you because you're just so on edge. You're just so amped up waiting for something to happen. And it's that sort of patience that I think is lost in a lot of modern horror today. There, There is no patience to, to build a scene, to build the horror and the anticipation and the suspense to a horrific end. And it was scenes like this, scenes like the one with with Chase in his bedroom, uh, other scenes, scenes with the balls rolling. They had a couple of those scenes, like I said, uh, a la the changeling, but but they were done to really good effect because they had the the patience to sit there and and linger on things uh, long enough for you to to feel the anxiousness of the scene and that is the desired effect to, to build that suspense to build that mystery of what's going to happen next and then to pay it off with a really good scare uh, just uh, like I said one of the things I really loved about this movie in general and one of the things I really love about this franchise in general is that they they really do that in a lot of the scares throughout all four of these films and it seems like these in this movie, it, it had me freaked out through that movie. I remember sitting there on the couch and then all of a sudden uh, my wife has some like plaque, happy harvest or something, uh, some fall decoration outside of our window hanging on our house. And it was a windy night and it blew this sign, this little wooden plaque off the, off the nail it was hanging from and it went crashing down. <laughs> Like right outside the window, right behind me as I'm sitting on the couch, scared the blue shit out of me. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I I'm starting to hear the wind pick up and things rattling around our air conditioner in our bedroom, which is like right off the side of, of where the couch is. I was amped up and I was a little rattled during this movie because it just it had so many good scares. Even that that scene where it shouldn't have worked. I should not have been scared, but where Rebecca and Margot are they're trying to leave. They're out of the Carmichael house, the car won't start, so they're walking. And if they keep walking, they might make it to town before dark. And they get to this bridge, and all of a sudden, there is one of these dark hooded demons. I don't know. They they kind of remind me of less comedic and taller versions of the wraiths in what we do in the shadows. That TV series, freaking hilarious. If you love horror and you love comedy, uh, brilliant. Uh, my, my wife and I, the, the last season just ended here not too terribly long ago. My wife and I are trying to catch up. Uh, we were just about to start the final season. But uh, they, they reminded me of the Wraiths. And it should be funny watching them run around. like And it made me think of the race and what we do in the shadows. But they don't. They scare the shit out of me. And they look... And there's one there, and then they turn, and the camera turns away, and they turn back, and there's multiple. And all of a sudden, they start running, and that's just, that, it, it was creepy as hell. And like I said, it shouldn't have worked. It shouldn't have been scary. It should have been comedic, but it wasn't. 
given, like I said, given the correlation I made with the wraiths from what we do in the shadows, shouldn't have been scary at all. But I really, I really enjoyed that. It it really had a creepy quality. Maybe not like a jump scared type scare, but it was scary. The thought of coming up on something that shouldn't be there much like something that shouldn't be moving something that shouldn't be there and then all of a sudden it starts coming after you that's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at nights if i am kept up at nights it's that sort of thing that does it but it was interesting because there was three clowns in this movie uh we had already established who the two other clowns were the business partners of Andrew Tully. And then there is that revelation there at the end that uh, Patrick Carmichael was the third clown in this movie. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a huge, I mean, it was a, I guess it was a big revelation. Not a revelation I really lost any sleep over or would have lost any sleep over. I'm guessing that whole scenario with those three characters as those creepy clowns tied in with Andrew Tully. I think it, it might matter more once we get into the fifth installment of this franchise. And and that's what this franchise does. It gives you a bit of information that may seem a little superfluous and like, oh, I don't really care about that. That's just kind of like a throwaway line or a throwaway fact. And, and then in the next movie, the whole movie is centered around that throwaway fact, or at least what you thought was a throwaway fact or a throwaway line from the previous film. So it, it'll probably have a much greater impact to the story once we get it revealed to us what the implications behind that little factoid were. And I, I'm really interested to see where they're going to go with that. But this movie, Carmichael Manor, and and the three previous movies uh, before it, I, I think one of the things that is really enjoyable about these movies, given that they're found footage, is that for the most part, they have some pretty decent acting. Uh, Hell House LLC, I thought was really good from the the talking heads they had doing the documentary to the actors they had playing the Hell House LLC group. I thought they were all pretty good. Abaddon Hotel, I thought was also pretty good. I really enjoyed the actors in that. There was one girl in that that I didn't care for. She was kind of the, the whiny character, uh, Molly, I think her name was. I, I really didn't care for her performance. I don't know if it was so much the performance of the character or maybe a combination of both, but I didn't really enjoy that that character or the performance either. Uh, Lake of Fire, I thought the the performances were pretty good. I really liked the guy that they had playing Russell Wynn. I liked the Vanessa Shepard character played by Elizabeth Vermilia. Uh, the actor who was kind of like the costume designer and the set designer. I think he was dealing with the lighting and stuff like that. Uh, he was he was really good. Added some some great moments of comedy and levity to the movie. Did a really good job. And with Origins, the Carmichael Manor. I, I thought the cast was really good in that. Bridget Rose Perota did a really good job as Margot, kind of this headstrong, pig-headed, stubborn, but really has the best of intentions in mind. Rebecca, played by Destiny Leilani Brown, uh, really good with the reluctant partner in these uh, uh, mystery adventures with her girlfriend Margot. Reluctant, but she's you know she's supporting her girlfriend. I, I really 
liked her performance as that. The the Chase Bentley character played by James Liddell uh, did a really good job with a guy with a troubled past and and kind of trying to be the voice of reason. And it's a shame he was the first half to go. But wow, was his going uh, scary as shit. So this one, and the talking heads. I thought the talking heads in this were really good and really believable. They brought in some good actors to do those talking heads. And I think that's really what makes uh, it feel like a documentary. That's what made the first one really feel like a, uh, a put-together documentary when you had those talking heads. And I think those other two uh, movies lacked that that feel that documentary style feel but ultimately another thing that this series does really good it really does a good job with uh, set design and practical effects and prosthetics and and those clown masks were scary as hell they do a really good job with the the camera movements and the scares a lot of really good scares that are all uh, hingent on actors being in the right place at the right time and camera movements at the right place at the right time and the coordination of all of that was done excellently in all four movies. I, I really enjoyed that about all four of them. You can say what you want about the acting, you can say what you want about the stories, but in all four of these films, the movies were all scary as hell. And were all really enjoyable from a scare standpoint and from an atmosphere and a, a creepiness standpoint. They all shined in that regard. And at least for the first three movies, Hell House, LLC, The Abaddon Hotel, and Lake of Fire, they filmed, uh, for the most part, on a location. Uh, I, there may have been some set work in there as well, but uh, they did film at a hotel. The Waldorf uh, Hotel in Lehigh, Pennsylvania is is where the Abaddon Hotel is. Actually, that's what the actual Abaddon Hotel is. And funny thing is, is that they do a haunted house at that hotel. Uh, it's called Waldorf Estate of Fear, and you can check out pictures, and yeah, you can look, and it's the Abaddon Hotel from the movies. Uh, the insides, I, I'm sure, are are a little bit done up, a little bit different. They don't, they're not trying to cash in on the movie, but but they are doing like a haunted house there. So if you're ever in the Lehigh, Pennsylvania uh, area, and you want to check out the Abaddon Hotel the real hotel behind the Abaddon Hotel and get some scares there while you're at it. Uh, check out Waldorf, a state of fear. Makes me want to travel across the state and uh, yeah, take a little weekend trip over there. My wife will not be happy about going through a haunted house, but if she doesn't know, I mean, we'll just tell her we're going for a tour. Hotel tour, that'd be fun. But hopefully we won't have to wait too terribly long to get a new installment in this movie franchise. I know uh, Hell House LLC came out in 2015. Hell House LLC, the Abaddon Hotel, came out in 2018. I believe Lake of Fire came out in 2020. And of course, Origins, the Carmichael Manor, came out this year. So we may have to wait a couple years, but I, I'm hoping that that with the growing popularity of this movie franchise and how good the movies are. I mean, at least uh, there's a couple really awesome movies. A couple, I, I'm not going to say great, but pretty damn good. Really good movies in the first and the third, fourth one. Uh, the second and third ones are also pretty good as well. So it's not like they're horrible movies. You know, you may have some people beg to differ. They, they both have aspects story-wise that I didn't care for, but... You know what, if you're just going on pure horror and pure scares, 
all four of them are really good movies. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to watch Terrifier for a good story. I'm going for blood and guts and gore and horror. And and if you're if you're keeping that in mind when you're going to watch these, that if you just want good horror, all four of these excellent uh, story wise. Like I said. Uh, two and three falter a little bit, but they're still not horrible. And all four of these movies definitely worth a watch. And you you have to watch all four of them to really get the bigger picture of this story moving forward. If you want to watch number five, you've got to watch one through four. And I'm hoping we don't have to wait too terribly long for part five of this uh, this horror franchise. And and I I for one am really looking forward to it a lot more than I thought I would be. Uh, before I went into watching all four of these movies in span of four days. So there you have it. Those are my thoughts on the Hell House LLC franchise in general, but especially Hell House LLC Origins, the Carmichael Manor, uh, a really excellent film and a really, and it's an excellent addition and extension of the Hell House LLC franchise and makes me really excited for what's to come with this franchise, whether it be a final installment or just one of many more installments. I'm there to watch. I I can't wait to see where else this story is going to go and where it's going to take us and the horrors that lie in wait. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Hell House LLC Origins, the Carmichael Manor. Uh, Go check it out if you haven't. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, I don't know if you could enjoy it more because I really, really like this movie. So I want to thank everyone for listening and check out more with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook and Instagram pages. All, all the horror, fantasy, and science fiction stuff we're posting there, as well as stay on top of the latest episodes of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. No matter where you listen to this podcast, please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. Please follow, like, subscribe to us wherever you're listening to this podcast, whatever platform you're listening on. And as always, share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!